the professionals of professionalism proudly present Lewis Howard Live. Your crisp communicator with principal insights for pop culture with a tech edge. And now a man who needs no introduction, Lewis. edition another program another podcast another pop edge conversation on lewis howard live reaching you around the world over a hundred thousand downloads of the show and we're in 10 countries 15 platforms been doing it 10 years with 500 plus episodes and i hope you've listened to it just at least one uh, but thank you if it's your first time joining the show. And if you're returning back, thank you for continuing to listen. And I always say tell a friend to tell a friend that uh, we're here and uh, you can get us 24-7 on your smartphone, iPad, device, from the moon, smoke signals, however you want to get us, we'll find a way to get to you. We've been having a great discussion in our previous show. We were talking about the American dream versus the American nightmare. And so I want to conclude with some points today uh, in that. So just as a recap, uh, America had celebrated its uh, 244th birthday as a nation, being one of the youngest nations in the history of time. And so I thought at that point, it just triggered me to think about this concept called the American dream that many immigrants have espoused to obtain and many Americans espouse to live out and what that means, but also realize in, in the light of the social justice movement and change movement with Black Lives Matters and other organizations right now, it just made me remember that there's also an American nightmare. And so what I wanted to do was share some points that I think would be beneficial in understanding the difference, the threads that run between the American nightmare and accomplishing the American dream. And it is more than what we think and what we see on a daily basis. And actually, it is far more subtle than you would know. You can't see this on social media. You can't see this on television. You might feel its effects, but you can't see it. It is invisible. It is a spirit. It is a force that operates in our nation that propels some upwardly and constrain others downwardly. Which group are you in? As I said in the previous show, you're either living in the American dream or you're living in the American Nightmare, And so, you know, I had numbers of these stories growing up as a child, and I didn't know what racism was. I didn't know what bias was. And I grew up in the great state of Texas that, you know, I should have known, but I just didn't because nobody really taught me the difference. And at that point, uh, one of the terms that I use is institutionalization. People were just institutionalized in being treated a certain way. They just knew. We knew not to go to certain neighborhoods after 10 o'clock at night. That's institutionalized. 
right? When you know not to do something and you don't do it. It's like a prisoner. They know not to climb that fence. They know not to touch that fence. Why? Because they know if they touch that fence, there's a likelihood they can be shot, right? So there are certain things we are conditioned on because we were born into it. We were taught that way. So I talked about institutionalization. And, and just a couple points on that is that people can be institutionalized financially. People can be institutionalized geographically. I know some people that will not leave the South. They're just institutionalized and living in the South. They won't come to the North. They won't move up North. I have people that have come up North, lived in the North part of the United States. They go back down South because they're just institutionalized in that culture and the way things are done and the way things have been done in their life for, you know, years and years and years. That's institutionalization. Stability can be good. That's different than institutionalization because institutionalization is about mind control. It's about really taking, taking any hope out of your mind, taking any uh, dream out of your mind and just kind of making you robotic to the process. So we talked about that. So today I want to cover uh, a couple more points on the difference between the American dream and the American nightmare. So the point today is systemic dependence. I hear this word systemic thrown around a lot. Yeah, systemic this, systemic that, systemic racism, systemic hate, which means that it's embedded in the system. So I'm going to talk about another part of the system that actually leads you to be dependent on the system. And then once you become dependent on the system, you become subject to the things that we have been talking about. Our American system is one of the most benevolent systems in the world. Okay? It's not something that people talk about a lot, but when you look at other countries and cultures, we are one of the best uh, systems to take care of people that are tired, sick, or weary. Nobody gets in broken down boats heading to Canada. You know where they head to? America. No one saved their last dime for their family to go to China. You know where they're coming to? America, right? Why? Because our system of government allows people in general to have opportunities they can't have in other places. So while we have a lot of things wrong with America, let's not forget about the things that are right with America. We have a benevolent system. We have a democratic system that you can do things in this country you can't do any other place. Okay, if you live in Thailand, for example, and you can't pay your medical bill and you go to the hospital and you are sick, they will let you die. They will let you die on the street. That is the culture and the policy of that country. We would never do that in America. We would not just consciously turn away someone for medical treatment. I know there's constant you know, incidents and things like that. But by and large, we have a health system that will take care of you and then we'll come get the money later. But we just won't let people uh, perish like that. I, I can't imagine. There are places in the world, if you steal something, or you get caught in adultery, you're going to get caned in public the next day. Or you may have some extremities cut off your body or worse, stoned. Okay? We don't do that in America. We just don't have that. We wouldn't tolerate that. Our amendments don't allow that. So that allows our system to be a little bit better than other systems in the world. Now, if you grow up in America and America is the only system that you know, then you think every system is like that. You got to travel. Marvin Gaye said this, one of the late singers. He said, you got to travel outside of America. You have to live outside of America, really, to appreciate 
what goes on in America. Because if you're just born here, you you don't think that there's anything. And then you find it's like being raised in your parents' house, right? You don't realize how good you have and you think your parents are the worst parents on the planet until you get out and you become a parent. Then you realize, man, mom and dad wasn't so bad. Okay, so sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you have to lose your freedom. I know guys lose their freedom and they go to prison for five years to 10 years. And man, they come back out. They kiss the ground. They kiss the ground because they realize, man, having freedom in America is better than not having freedom. We have citizens that go over in other countries and they do bad things and they get snapped up and thrown in prison. We never hear from them again because there's no system of justice like we have in America. So the good part is we have a benevolence to our system. We give to the world. Uh, we take care of the sick. We America will feed you. America will get, we're seeing this right now in the pandemic. We're giving PPP money. We're giving extended unemployment. We're giving all these benefits to people. And the truth of the matter is we write in checks we can't cash. Let me just tell you this. Our benevolence may be getting us in trouble, right? Because we take in roughly $4 trillion in revenue every year. And we're writing checks and, and stimulus packages going well over $6 trillion. That's a $2 trillion deficit, okay? So I don't know where we're going to make it up, but nevertheless, America continues its benevolence and its generosity as a system. Okay, but there is another part to this system. This is a system that can make you dependent on it. And once you start getting those benefits and you start getting those um, entitlements and you start getting those those perks, it's hard to let it go. It's hard to let it go. When you get that check coming every month and you ain't having to work and you ain't having to do anything and that check comes, that mailbox money shows up, it's hard to get motivated after that. And so unfortunately, America can make you dependent on the system. America can make you do less than your best. Because if you know that you're going to get paid regardless or compensated, um, it, it makes it hard to have motivation. Ask any entrepreneur. Okay. The difference is go ask an entrepreneur what motivates them. You know what motivates them? Fear of failure. They don't get the check every month. They get paid by the deal and not by the hour, and they got to hustle, and they got to keep hustling, right? When you start getting a paycheck every week or every month, no matter what it is, you become dependent. I remember being unemployed for a period of time during the recession, and I started to get, you know, unemployment checks for the time that I was working at the company, and, you know, 600 a week, and I'm thinking, Man, I don't need to go out and hustle up some job. I just get my 600 a week and I'll get my side hustle on and there will be the peace. But I also realized it was sucking out my motivation. It was sucking out my will to go higher and get to the level of my dream. So what I did was I stopped taking the money. I literally told him, thank you. I'm not going to take any money. I'm going to have to figure out how to make this. I don't want to keep taking this money because it's not good for me. Right. It's good for me, but it's not good for me because I don't want to be dependent. Politicians want you dependent on the system because if you're dependent on the system, they can control you. Right. They can get your vote by promising you monies, funding and all these different things that rarely do they deliver. We're looking at cities around America that have had substantial amount of funding over the years and still looks in decay, still looks decrepit, still looks broken down after billions of dollars have been poured into them 
for funding and people still living below the poverty line. That's systemic dependence. You can't break free from the nightmare if you have a dependence on the system. If you're taking the EBT, right? If you're taking the, the Section 8, I have residents that live in our buildings and they've been living in our buildings for 15 years on the Section 8. That's not designed for that. That's designed for them to do that for a couple years, get your feet underneath you, and then move on, right? Hey, during the recession, we all had to do what we had to do. Take EBT. I'd have took everything just to be able to sustain and survive through that. But there's a time where you got to put the card away. You got to turn the money back because you don't want to become dependent on the system. It will keep you in the nightmare, right? You cannot get out of it if you continue to take its benefits. When they offer you something free, free is not free. There is a price to it. It always is. Everybody taking the free money right now from the government, that's not free. There's a price that's going to come. There's a check that's going to come, a tab that's going to show up, right? Restaurants sit down and they let you eat, but, you know, you can order whatever you want after that menu. But guess what? At the end, check coming. Somebody's got to pay. So the check's going to come. So just remember, whenever you're taking anything free from the system, two things can happen. Number one, the check is going to come. The cost for doing that is going to show up. And two, you become addicted. You become an addict and habitual client of the system. You see it in the, in the penal system. Once they get a person into the penal system as a criminal, they don't want to let them out. And the reason why they don't want to let them out, because they are an asset, right? The, the criminal system survives because they have criminals. Criminals are their clients. Criminals are their customers. If you have no criminals, then you have no justice system. You have no lawyers. You have no prosecutors. They're not going to let themselves go out of business, right? So part of the way they stay in business is they lock people in the system. You come out, they put you on probation, they put you on parole, they monitor to you. And the reason why they monitor to you, because they're waiting for you to screw up. So guess what they can do? Put you right back, right? So we call that recidivism, recycling, right? And so thank goodness for the movement that is happening now under Trump and the Kardashians where people are starting to get second chances and the second chance program. I hope it works. And I hope people can truly break free of the system so they're not dependent on having to keep going back. We see when people, did you know when people file bankruptcy, that 75% of those people file bankruptcy again? They end up in bankruptcy again because now they're dependent on the system. Folks, I'm not making this up. This is real life. You can like it or don't like it, but I'm telling you, it is real. So this systemic dependence has nothing to do in part with racism has more to do with how our systems are set up and they're set up not to let anybody get caught in that, but particularly people of color get caught in it and they can't get out. And that's a shame and it's sad. And, and when you see that look in somebody's eyes, you know, they've been caught in the system and they can't get out. So that's systemic dependence, right? Now, cousin to systemic racism, Covered cousin to the bias, but don't forget about the dependence, a dependence on taking the government's money, taking, giving them the vote, right? I'm dependent on the Democrats to do everything for me, so I'm going to give them the vote. And then they go, they spend 30 years in Washington and they do nothing for you. And then they ask you, vote for me again. This time we'll really do it. All right, so I'm getting off track. But anyway, so systemic dependence is, is important to that. The other one is the hoarding of wealth. 
Okay, we see this in America, and this is what keeps people in the nightmare. So we're talking about today the, the American dream versus the American nightmare, and how I came through, and what I learned when I came through the nightmare to get to the dream. So number one, there is institutionalization in the nightmare. Two, there's systemic dependence. Three, there is the hoarding of wealth by those that are in the dream. Okay, once they get their money, they don't want to share their money or their secrets. I used to sit down with billionaires and I would ask them, I try to ask them like, how did you make your money and how did you do it? They would not share with me. They would just say some rambling stuff that wouldn't make sense because they didn't want to share their knowledge with me. Okay. Because they didn't look at me as an opportunity. I couldn't do nothing for them. I couldn't help them make more money. Right. I couldn't help them go higher in their business. So they were not willing to share their knowledge with me. I wasn't an asset. The people that shared their knowledge with me was because I was an asset to them. The multi-billionaires and millionaires that I work with, they did it because I made them money. So they were willing to share stuff with me that helped them make money. That's how wealth is not hoarded. So if you're in the nightmare, use your gift, talents, and abilities, as we've seen with athletes. Most of those athletes were in the nightmare, folks. You think of LeBron and you think of Shaq and Magic and... and um, uh, the guy with Golden State, one of my favorite guys there, plays on Golden State that just went to the championship. Most of these guys came from the hood, from the ghetto, from the nightmare. But they got an opportunity to use their gifts, their talents, and abilities. A lot of the hip-hop artists, right, that are doing things today that they didn't do in 1979 when the Sugar Hill Gang came out and they made the first song, the first rap deal, right? Curtis Blow, some of those other guys that didn't make a dime, hardly. But these guys have enterprises. I mean, you know, Yeezy's got shoes and clothes and cologne and Petey's got vodka. And, you know, they've got multi-million dollar, billion dollar enterprises because they've used their talent. And they've now got with distribution companies that know they have a following. And now those distribution companies will give them money. Sony will give them money. Coca-Cola will give them money. Right. Smirnoff Vodka will give them money because they have a following. That's how you get out of the nightmare. What do you have that you can offer to someone that's outside of your sphere living in the dream that you can now live your own dream? That is what we're seeing today when we see people come out is because they've gotten an opportunity to use their gift, talents and abilities and they stop being dependent on the system. They didn't wait for the system to uh, give them recompense for slavery. Right. They didn't wait on that. They said, we're going to make our own money here and we're going to make it now. You got to have that mentality. All right. So next point is, is we talked about this wealth thing. And the thing about wealth is wealth is passed from generation to generation. Most people that have control, the 10% that control most of the wealth, they never let that wealth leave their family or their companies. Now, if you're within that, you're good. But if you are without that, you're bad. You're just not going to get it. The royal family of England, they don't let the wealth leave their family, right? It goes from line family to family to family to family. It never goes to the public. It never goes outside of that. So it is this thing between the haves and the have-nots. The have have it, and they're not willing to give it up unless you can find a way into their sphere, okay? there's no. I just don't ever see this 
socialization and equal distribution of wealth. I just don't see it happening. I see more people being able to come out of the nightmare and obtain this wealth. And I see more of a wealth shift happening where it will then shift over. But I don't ever see this equalization. It's not what America's built on. It's not our tenants. So I just don't see that happening. Maybe it will happen long after I'm gone. But yeah, I don't see that happening. So we have to battle this hoarding of wealth and opportunities right, among pe with people of color and, and whites. We have to get there. And a lot of that starts with education. And, but more of it starts with who you know. Who do you know, right? I've made more deals. I'm making a huge deal right now, not because I'm smart, not because I'm intelligent, not because I'm black. You know what it is? It's because of who I know. It's who I know. Deal just came, came right in my lap because of who I know. And so sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. I'd rather be sometimes in the right place at the right time than trying to, you know, go to Vegas and keep hitting the hitting the crap shoot. So, hey, we're going to take a quick break and we come back. I'm going to share a couple more points uh, with you on the American dream versus the American nightmare. And I hope you're getting something out of this that will help you make a reset in your on life. You listen to Lewis Howard Live. Stay with us. We'll be right back on the other side of this break. Lewis Howard of Lewis Howard Live has partnered with Amazon Books to bring you his dynamic, life-changing book. From Here to There is the best-selling biopic journey of Lewis Howard's road from adopted child in poverty to achieving over a billion dollars in real estate assets. Lewis shares his secrets and principles, which helped make his meteoric rise to the top an inspiration to millions. Lewis Howard, From Here to There, available on Amazon Books at createspace.com slash 450-6888. Get it today. Hey, thanks for joining us. It's Lewis Howard Live. Man, I think it's our 540th episode. I, I stopped counting. Uh, I keep joking with everyone that, you know, I was doing podcasts when podcasts weren't cool. They weren't swag. They weren't all over Facebook. And now, you know, everybody from Obama on down got their own podcast, right? So I think that's cool, the growth of it. And I'm glad to be a part of a burgeoning industry. And uh, sometimes that's hard for your voice to be heard when you got a thousand people doing podcasts. But I believe in the value of content. And I believe that we've produced some great content over the past years that I think will live long after I'm done doing this or take it to whatever level that we go to with this thing. So thank you for supporting those that have been around and supporting. And shout out to my friend Jay King, the performer, uh, Club Nouveau guy still, friend of mine. And he actually got me into the podcast because he had a podcast on. Um, and uh, he did the remake of the Bill Withers song, Lean On Me. And and so I thank you, Jay, because that's in part the reason why I started doing this. So we're talking about uh, the American dream versus 
the American nightmare. And we've covered a couple points about systemic dependence, institutionalization, and the hoarding of wealth, the need to transfer wealth. Um, and not so much transfer wealth, but people need to transfer from the nightmare to the American dream aspect of it and obtain more wealth. But you also got to write your own ticket to freedom. We hear that a lot in business. You know, you say, this guy could write his own ticket, right? But I believe that freedom starts with you. Uh, it doesn't start with the Declaration of Independence. It's certainly a document that gives us the foundation. But I think that freedom also starts with the individual. And I found a clip that was done by Dr. Martin Luther King, I believe in uh, the mid-60s. And it really speaks to about an individual uh, writing their own Emancipation Proclamation. Take a listen. I come here tonight and plead with you. Believe in yourself and believe that you're somebody. As I said to a group last night, nobody else can do this for us. No document can do this for us. No Lincolnian Emancipation Proclamation can do this for us. No Kennesonian or Johnsonian Civil Rights Bill can do this for us. If the Negro is to be free, he must move down into the inner resources of his own soul and sign with a pen and ink of self-assertive manhood his own Emancipation Proclamation. Wow. There you go the architect of the civil rights movement, right? The I have a dream author, right? And just one of the greatest voices of our time for social justice and freedom right there, says it out of his own mouth. You heard it. I didn't make it up. You got to write your own emancipation proclamation. No amount of marching will do that. No amount of protest will do that. No amount of, of Black Lives Matter will do that. You have to do that for yourself. And then you can join up with those things. But if you're out there marching and you haven't written your own ticket to freedom, you are a, you're just a spectator. You're just doing something because someone asked you to do something. But when you're out there, when you think about those people that marched in the, the 50s and 60s, Every one of them knew that they were putting their life on the line. Every one of them knew that they could be beaten, they could be thrown in jail, or worse, as we saw, murdered. They put their life on the line. But they signed for that because they were signing for themselves to be freedom. The other thing about that is that most of them never saw the freedom. Did you know that most of the people who marched in the civil rights movement Many of them never saw the freedom. They never lived that long. Many of us are beneficiaries of their marches, but those people sign the Emancipation Proclamation. Just like the 13 founding fathers of America signed on that document, they said, we pledge our lives, we pledge our families, we pledge our resources to do that. I want to challenge each of you to make your own individual pledge to your own life. I start my day off with a declaration and pledge over my day. I don't need a group to tell me how to think. 
I don't need a cause to tell me that it matters. I start my day out understanding that I have a proclamation for freedom, for prosperity, for increase, to make a difference, to be a leader and change the lives of people, not only in this time, but for three generations forward. That's where I'm thinking every day. And so a lot of what's going on is part and parcel to that, but it's not the end all. It's not the end all be all. So get that emancipation, get that, that letter for freedom, write it down, right? If you can't just say, write your own emancipation, write your own declaration of freedom of what you'd like to accomplish in your life. Why do you exist on this planet, right? It's not so you can go to the next you know, movie or the next McDonald's opening or whatever it is, right? To hit to the next hit record. It's more than just that. You are here for a purpose and you've got to sign that freedom to accomplish your purpose. All right. So last point is dreams don't change unless you do. Okay. Uh, I used to say a lot that, that, you know, dreams don't work unless you do. You can fix something, you can't fix nothing, right? You can't just be passive in your endeavors. It doesn't work that way. And so you have to, sitting around, getting high, faded, having fun, listening to the music, being in the studio, that's all cool. But you, you got to work the dream. And sometimes the dream, you got to do uh, uncomfortable things. Sometimes you got to think big in small places, Sometimes you got to start with humbling beginnings. You may have to work at McDonald's or Burger King or Dairy Queen or whatever, right? That doesn't mean that you've compromised your dream. That means that you are still conscious of your dream, but you're taking the practical steps so that you can pay your bills and do the things that you need to. Sitting around on the couch and waiting somebody to call for the, for the, for the deal, for the contract, right? And you're not out doing the work. Now that dream's not moving because you know what, what I have found in my dream, it was the things that I thought that didn't matter that I was doing that left, led me to opportunities that opened some big doors. If I hadn't been willing to do those little things, I took a job one time just as a consultant to help out to manage a project. It didn't pay a lot, but, and there was not a lot of glory in it, but I did it anyway. But that opportunity led me to become the first African-American executive of one of the major home building companies in our region. That would not happen had I turned my nose up at that opportunity. What are you turning your nose up that could lead you to something bigger and something better that will actually help your dream take on a life of its own? Like I said, you either a spectator in this life or you are a participant and watching somebody else and celebrating somebody else. Hey, I love the guys when they run up and down the court and they slam the three, but that ain't me. I don't get LeBron's check, right? I don't get Russell Wilson's money, right? I got to go out and make my own. So me celebrating with the Seahawks don't make my bank account fill up. I'm a spectator in that arena. But over here, I'm a participant. You come rolling with me, we're going to put some work in. If Russell comes in my sphere, we're going to work. We're going to be selling some houses and financing some deals and doing some development. Okay? So that's how you have to think. Are you a spectator or you are a participant? Are you a couch potato sitting and just watching the world go by and then hating on it, finding fault in it when you're not willing to 
uh, do what you need to do to use your best abilities to get out of that nightmare. Your children deserve it. Future generations deserve it. For you to maybe you can be the first one in your family to get out of the nightmare. Maybe you can be the first one not to live check to check. Maybe you can be the first one not to have more month than you have money. Maybe you can be the first to literally walk up to somebody and buy them a house cash on the spot. Buy somebody a car cash on the spot. Maybe you can be that person. But it starts where you got to buy the dream. Let me tell you the funniest things that I have is when I'm standing in line, I've done this periodically, just buy people's groceries. Here, that that's on me. The look that is on people's faces, priceless, right? But I can do that because I'm in the position to do that, right? So it's not because I'm not working and I'm letting the world go by and, and, you know, good. I'm all for the social equity, you know, task and justice. I'm a part of that and I'll be working in that. But I also realize I got to bring it. I got to get up every day and bring it so I don't go back to the nightmare, that I don't slip back to where I come from. Because that's the other part of this thing. There are people that got to the American dream and they got pushed back in the nightmare. Hey, just read TMZ. They'll tell you. Lose, lost all the weight, I mean, uh, the, the money, the wealth, lost the freedom, and now where are they at? They're on the mugshot. They're back in the nightmare. Maybe they'll get out. Maybe they won't. I'm seeing too many artists that have had opportunities, and now they're back in the nightmare. They're back, right? So that's the other thing is once you get out, you want to stay out. Don't go back to the nightmare because when you go back, it's that much harder to escape that. So I hope that today that it gave a little bit of insight. Hey, I can't answer all the life's questions. Okay. I don't have all the answers and I'm sure there's probably a lot more content I could have added here. And a lot of things you'll say, why didn't he talk about this? Why didn't he mention that? Hey, that's what you're for. Maybe you can start a conversation. Maybe you can start a podcast or shoot us some comments and we can add that in to what we're doing, but I'm taking it for what I know and what I've experienced and what I think will be beneficial to you as you move forward in your quest to accomplish your dream. Hey, I'm Lewis Howard. Thank you for joining another edition of Lewis Howard Live. We'll see you again soon. And again, helping you become the best version of yourself. The Millionaire Club Charity is one of Seattle's oldest existing charities. In addition to job placement and employment services, the Millionaire Club provides job training and licensing to help workers become qualified and job ready, from nutritious meals and sack lunches to housing assistance to stabilize their lives. Despite its name, the donors to the Millionaire Club are ordinary citizens with a desire and passion to help fellow citizens overcome the barriers of employment and housing. For more information, call 206-728-JOBS or go to millionaireclub.org. Dot org.